the Senate faces a potential appropriations roadblock. The Congressional Budget Office issues a call for new obesity research. And the office of the Speaker of the House of Representatives is vacant for the week of October 9th, 2023. From Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., this is Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. I'm Matt Duckworth. But you want to know the end of the story? I got elected to a seat I couldn't get an internship for. I ended up being the 55th Speaker of the House, one of the greatest honors. I loved every minute. And the one thing I will tell you is, Doing the right thing isn't always easy, but it is necessary. Kicking off this week's episode with news from Capitol Hill, where last week, eight conservative critics of Representative Kevin McCarthy were joined by the House Democratic Caucus in successfully ousting McCarthy as Speaker of the House in a 216 to 210 vote. The motion to vacate was brought to the floor by Representative Matt Gates, a Republican from Florida, and supported by Republican representatives Andy Biggs from Arizona, Ken Buck of Colorado, Tim Burchett of Tennessee, Eli Crane of Arizona, Bob Good of Virginia, Nancy Mace of South Carolina, and Matt Rosendale of Montana. McCarthy is the first House Speaker in history to be removed from the job. The Republican dissidents cited McCarthy's support for the latest continuing resolution to prevent a government shutdown as the main reason for their campaign against him. Representative Patrick McHenry, a Republican from North Carolina, has been tapped to serve as the Speaker pro tem, having been on the top of McCarthy's secret list of successors, a practice initiated after 9-11 to protect the continuity of government. While the chamber cannot vote on legislation until a new speaker has been elected, McHenry now has the full power of speaker to sign enrolled bills and joint resolutions and usher the House through votes to elect a permanent replacement. House Majority Steve Scalise, a Republican from Louisiana, and Representative Jim Jordan, a Republican from Ohio, who both supported Speaker McCarthy in last week's vote, have formally announced their candidacies to be the next speaker. Both members are seen as ideologically to the right of McCarthy, with Jordan being considered the more conservative of the two. Jordan currently serves as chair of the House Judiciary Committee and is leading the GOP's investigations into the current administration and Biden family. He recently voted against the continuing resolution to keep the government running through November 17th, while Scalise voted in favor of it. Both candidates have focused on the need to address the fentanyl crisis, and have criticized the Biden administration's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Jordan has been endorsed by former President Donald Trump. Representative Gates has expressed support for both bids for Speaker, while emphasizing that a plan to reduce government spending is more important than the individual Speaker themselves. The House GOP plans to hold a party conference on Tuesday to provide rank-and-file members the opportunity to ask questions of the candidates. The conference would then vote on their nominee for speakership. If a strong candidate emerges, McHenry plans to hold a floor vote to elect a new speaker on Wednesday. The next speaker faces a possible government shutdown when the current continuing resolution expires on November 17th, as well as reauthorization of key health programs, 
like the U.S. President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief, or PEPFAR, the Children's Hospital Graduate Medical Education Program, the Pandemic and All Hazards Preparedness Act, and the Support Act, which expired last month. trying to get through the appropriations process and not have an omnibus. And uh, I don't have any advice to give to the House. They've got a totally different set of challenges than we do. And so I think the best advice for the Senate is to do our job and we'll see how this plays Some appropriations out. news today where a group of 20 Republican senators have sent a letter to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer pledging to withhold their support for any vote to proceed on items unrelated to the fiscal year 2024 appropriations process. The letter reads, quote, We urge you to present a plan to the Republican conference for how you intend to pass the remaining appropriations bills and conference them with the House in a manner that respects an open amendment process and which does not end in a December omnibus spending package, unquote. The lawmakers highlight that limited time remains until government funding once again expires on November 17th. Back to the House today, where a bipartisan group of members on the Ways and Means Committee have sent a letter to the Biden administration regarding the Hospice Special Focus Program. The lawmakers assert that the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services proposal for identifying poorly performing hospices is based on incomplete survey data and would, quote, not adequately identify hospices that are truly struggling with performance, unquote. The letter also encourages CMS to ensure Medicare-certified hospices get a preview of their performance under the SFP before the program is formally launched. The letter was signed by Representative Beth Van Dwyne, a Republican from Texas, Earl Blumenauer, a Democrat from Oregon, Brad Winstrup, a Republican from Ohio, and Jimmy Panetta, a Democrat from California. Some bicameral news today where Senator Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat from Massachusetts, and Representative Pramila Jayapal, a Democrat from Washington, have requested that antitrust regulators examine United Health Group's proposed acquisition of home and health hospice provider AmedSys Incorporated. The letter characterizes the deal as the quote, latest example of massive healthcare conglomerates using anti-competitive mergers to increase their market dominance, reducing competition, hurting patients, and increasing healthcare costs, unquote. The lawmakers urge the Department of Justice to closely scrutinize the deal and to quote, oppose the growing trend of insurers buying up healthcare providers to reduce competition, unquote. She worked hard to win, and when she, uh, when she won, she did the work to change the world. And to be able to, to sit <clears throat> in her seat, um, knowing that I will never be able to fill her shoes, uh, is the Moving on today, where California Governor Gavin Newsom tapped LaFonza Butler, president of EMILY's List, 
to fill the seat of the late Senator Dianne Feinstein. Emily's List advocates for the election of Democratic, pro-choice women to political office. Butler previously served as the president of SEIU Local 2015 in California, and has also worked as a partner at political consulting firm SCRB Strategies. Butler was sworn in by Vice President Kamala Harris on Tuesday, becoming only the third black female senator in history. She's one of three LGBTQ senators currently in office. Butler has not yet indicated whether she will seek the office in the 2024 election. Winding down today, where the Congressional Budget Office is requesting new research to inform its analysis of obesity treatment policies, including the use of new antibody obesity medications. Medicare is currently prohibited from covering weight loss drugs like Ozempic and Trulicity, but legislation, including the Treat and Reduce Obesity Act, has been introduced to change that policy. CBO's blog on the issue states that were Medicare to pay for these drugs, some of the cost would be captured through higher premiums and patient cost sharing, but that the drug's net cost to the Medicare program would still be significant over the next decade. Final news today, where the Drug Enforcement Administration has extended COVID-era flexibilities for the prescription of controlled substances via telemedicine through the end of 2024. The agency's second temporary rule will allow all patients to be prescribed controlled substances without an in-person visit. The DEA plans to issue new standards by fall of 2024 that will, quote, most effectively expand access to telemedicine encounters, unquote, while also preventing misuse. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. For more information on this week's healthcare happenings in the administration and on Capitol Hill, you can visit our website at hhs.com and click on the Policy Briefings tab at the top of the page. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, including the Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Did we miss a story you wanted to hear this week? If so, contact us on Twitter at hhspolicy, and we may include it in our next episode. Have a great week and stay healthy.